off and the clock has started. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. Thanks going out to our announcer, Karen. I appreciate that. Thank you, Karen. And yes, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak. It's been that way for a long time, or at least as long as you guys can remember. So yes, uh, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I already said that, and this is episode 45. And before we get going, here's a couple things of note. So I just uh, crossed over 2,700 downloads. So I want to thank all of you who have been downloading the show, even if you're a one and dunner. I appreciate it. Uh, 45 different countries. And this is the part that's kind of bothering me, okay? Only 42 states uh, and District of Columbia. So 42 states. That means there's eight states who haven't listened to this show yet. And I'm, I'm really bummed about that. And here they are. Delaware, Hawaii, Maine, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Now, if you know somebody in those states, let them know know about this show. Have them tune in so I can check off those other eight states and get all 50. I get no prize. You get no money. But, you know, it's just sort of one of those accomplishment things I need. All 50 states. I don't know why I need it. I just just do. Okay, that's enough of me begging. So uh, by now, you all know how the topics for these episodes come to be. I either see something, I hear something, something's ticking me off, something. Well, this episode is titled TP. And for the uninitiated out there, that stands for toilet paper. (laughs) You can pretty much figure out how this show came to be. And I don't need to go any further. Sorry for that bad pun. Hell, some of you might actually be listening to this very podcast in close proximity to toilet paper. So I thought I'd get to know a little more about the stuff that we all come into daily contact with. Yep, I did the research on toilet paper, so you don't have to. You know toilet paper. That's the stuff that you all have jammed in your closets, shelves, and they're falling on the floor every time you open the door uh, because you got extra when you had the chance. I admit it, I did too. For a while, my closet actually looked like the last scene in Indiana Jones. You had a whole big warehouse thing. I had so much toilet paper, I could open up my own Costco. Uh, I wasn't hoarding. It's just when I saw someone I was shopping and there was available, I got it because the shelves were usually empty. So anyway, let's talk about toilet paper. Now, while the shape and size of toilet paper is pretty consistent, it comes in all kinds of thicknesses, colors, and patterns, and some even come printed with words of the day or jokes of the day, if you're just that bored. Uh, softness certainly is a consideration. Some paper feels so soft, it's like a gentle fur of a freshly shorn sheep. Other toilet paper, like the kind you might find in a mall restroom, is, is what I call one-ply sandpaper. Well, let's take a look at how it all came to be. But first, no pun intended, as a matter of decorum, I will do my absolute very best to avoid using the term wipe or wiping throughout this podcast. We all know it. I just don't need to say it. I may also substitute some other words in certain places. You're welcome. Although paper had been known as a wrapping and padding material in China since the 2nd century BC, the first documented use of toilet paper in human history dates back to the 6th century AD in early medieval China. Discovered in a text written by scholar Yen Shi Tu in 589 AD, he wrote about the use of toilet paper thusly. Paper, on which there are quotations or commentaries from the five classics or the names of the sages, I dare not use for toilet purposes. 
By the early 14th century, the Chinese were manufacturing toilet paper at the rate of 10 million packages of 1,000 to 10,000 sheets annually. During the Ming Dynasty, it was recorded uh, in 1393 that an annual supply of 720,000 sheets of toilet paper were produced for the general use of the imperial court at the capital of Nanjing. It was also recorded that for the Hongwu Emperor's imperial family alone, there were 15,000 sheets of special soft fabric toilet paper made, and each sheet of toilet paper was perfumed. So while the uh, emperor's family was um, using perfumed toilet paper, other wealthy people used wool, lace, or hemp. And the less wealthy people, well, they used rags, wood shavings, oh, Lordy. leaves, hay, I don't get this one, stones, sand, plant husks, fruit skins, corn cobs, and, of course, seashells. <laughs> Ouch. All right, jumping ahead a couple centuries. Paper became widely available in the 15th century. Barry Kudrowitz. Now, this guy is an associate professor at the University of Minnesota, and he has studied the history and use of toilet paper. You go, Barry. Through the 1700s, cord cobs were a common toilet paper alternative. Then newspapers and magazines arrived in the early 18th century. What do you do with the newspaper when you're done reading it? Cudderwitz mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. says legend has it that people were primarily using the Sears catalog in outhouses. But when the catalog began to be printed on glossy paper, people needed to find a suitable replacement. Americans also nailed a farmer's almanac into the outhouse walls, leading to the company actually pre-drilling a hole in their publication. (laughs) Make it easier to hang. And now it's time we thank Joseph Gaiety of New York. He saved us from the continued future use of seashells, corn cobs, and the Sears catalog. Joseph Gaiety is widely credited with being the inventor of the modern commercially available toilet paper in the United States. Gaiety's paper was first introduced in 1857 and was available as late as the 1920s. Joseph founded the uh, Gaiety firm for toilet paper production in New Jersey, and his first factory-made toilet paper was, quote, the therapeutic paper. Now, Gaiety's medicated paper was sold in packages of uh, flat sheets that were watermarked with the inventor's name. The original advertisements for the product used the tagline, quote, the greatest necessity of the age, Gaiety's medicated paper for the water closet. Now, unfortunately, this invention failed. Thomas Seymour, Edward Irvin, and Clarence Wood Scott, recognize that name, began selling some of their toilet paper in Philadelphia in 1867. In 1879, the Scott brothers founded the Scott Paper Company. Now, in 1883, Big movement here, so to speak, in the toilet paper world. In 1883, Seth Wheeler of Albany, New York, obtained the earliest United States patent for the toilet paper and dispensers. These eventually were common throughout the country. Toilet paper dispensed from rolls that was popularized when Scott Paper Company began marketing the first perforated toilet paper rolls in 1890. Now, toilet paper continued to be refined, and in 1930s, 
the Northern Tissue Company, they had a special selling point for their toilet paper because they're selling it as, quote, splinter free. <laughs> I almost got through that. Splinter free. Uh, widespread adoption of the flush toilet increased the use of toilet paper because the heavier paper, like, oh, the Sears catalog, was more prone to clogging. And we know what happens with clogging. Uh, stuff gets everywhere. <laughs> In 1942, a softer two-ply toilet paper roll was introduced in Britain by St. Andrew's Mills in Walthamstow. For all of all, all my people listening in England, I'm sorry if I screwed that up. Walthamstow. Today, two-ply toilet paper is the standard in many countries. All right, let's talk about uh, the famous toilet paper shortage. Now, you would think what we just went through was the big one, but actually... There was one prior to that. It was in 1973. Uh, America experienced its first toilet paper shortage. In December of 73, Johnny Carson joked in his Tonight Show monologue about comments made by a Wisconsin congressman about the possibility of a toilet paper shortage. Well, all of his viewers took hold and subsequently consumers purchased abnormal amounts uh, of toilet paper, causing an actual shortage that lasted for several months. Well, now we come to the big one. During COVID-19 pandemic, toilet paper shortages were reported in March of 2020 in a number of countries due to excessive hoarding and panic buying. Unlike other products, toilet paper has no substitute except apparently for corn cobs and seashells. Well, as you know, back in December of 2019 and early January of 2020, not a lot of people believed this whole pandemic thing was going to be serious. Then in March, people realized they might need to stock up on certain items in case of a shelter-in-place order or in case they didn't know how long such an order might last. Well, what happened, the suppliers then announced they could not assure that they could keep up with the demand, and that's when all hell broke loose. Everybody started stockpiling toilet paper. Now, manufacturers continued to produce even more than they had before. Demand was higher for types of toilet paper used at home because so many people were at home who would have used toilet paper away from home, like in an office or someplace else. In countries other than the United States, the bidet was already seen as a solution to the problem of not enough toilet paper. Congratulations, Europe. You won that one. All right, it's time for a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a controversy that's even bigger than an artificial Christmas tree versus a real tree. So stick around. I'll be back right after this. Say, ladies, when you're expecting visitors, do you have to open all the doors and windows to freshen up the place? Not if you have a bottle of Airwick in the house. That's Airwick, A-I-R-W-I-C-K. Kills odors, kills odors, kills odors, kills odors, kills odors. You see what I did there? Airwick, air freshener. <laughs> Before we get into the controversy, let's talk about the materials. Toilet paper products vary greatly in their technical factors like size, softness, um, water absorption, and my absolute favorite term, quote, finger breakthrough resistance. <laughs> what am I, 10? Quality is usually determined by the number of plies, coarseness, and durability. Low-grade institutional toilet paper is typically of the lowest grade of paper, 
has only one or two plies, is very coarse, and sometimes contains small amounts of embedded, unbleached, unpulped paper. Take that. Mid-grade two-ply is somewhat textured to provide some softness and is somewhat stronger. There goes that uh, finger breakthrough. Premium toilet paper may have lotion and wax, as well as two to four plies of very finely pulped paper. And generally, it may be quilted, perfumed, patterned, or treated with aloe and other perfumes. All right, now, the controversy. And you probably already know what I'm talking about. When you walk into the bathroom, you probably aren't paying a whole lot of attention to the toilet paper, no matter where you're at, until you reach to use it. So when you finally go to tear off a square, sparing a square, you may notice if the roll is run with the paper facing over or underneath. Now, while you continue on your business, you may be wondering to yourself, which is the right way? Well, ever since toilet paper rolls were invented, people around the world have argued and fought about how to correctly hang a roll of toilet paper. Should it be over or under? Over. Now, while your personal preference may take a lead in your own uh, bathroom, cleaning expert and author of Clean My Space, Melissa Maker, she has deemed the proper way is over. She says there's a reason you should be hanging your toilet paper over instead of under. Quote, for one, it's more convenient and easier to get access to the toilet paper instead of having to dig underneath. Thanks, Melissa. But let's go back into history to solve this uh, controversy. Seth Wheeler, remember that guy? He's the one who invented the toilet paper roll. He seems to agree with over. According to Google Patents, drawings filed by Wheeler back in 1891 show rolls of toilet paper with the paper hanging over, not under. Now, while Wheeler didn't definitively come out and say which way is correct, it's safe to say his illustrations speak for themselves. And then there's the cleanliness aspect. Now, when it comes to the best way to hang a roll of toilet paper for sanitary reasons, science has proven that over is the best. But I'm not going to get into that mess, no pun intended. (laughs) Despite accessibility and sanitation reasons, over versus under debate is more silly than anything else. What it really boils down to is personal preference, but the right answer is over. Companies are rethinking how they package food and household goods, which includes toilet paper, to accommodate the growing number of Americans who are living alone, particularly as millennials delay marriage and having kids. Now, among the companies making packaging changes is Procter & Gamble, which created a toilet paper roll designed to appeal to people who live alone and may have limited storage space. At nearly three times the size of a conventional toilet paper roll, the new Charmin Forever Roll is massive. One Forever Roll is 12 inches in diameter and can last up to three months in a single-person household and requires half as much storage space as conventional rolls. Charmin has a $30 Forever Roll starter kit on his website that includes a brushed stainless steel roll holder, either freestanding or wall-mounted, and three giant rolls of Charmin toilet paper. The Forever Roll was created with two types of single-person households in mind, the urban millennials and aging consumers. How rude. And lastly, let's not overlook the recreational use of toilet paper. In the United States, toilet paper has been the primary tool in a prank known as TPing, or toilet papering. It's often favored by adolescents. 
um, or perhaps inebriated adults, and is the act of throwing rolls of toilet paper over cars, trees, houses, and gardens, causing the toilet paper to unfurl and cover the property, creating an inconvenient mess. A favorite activity of young children is wadding up a giant ball of toilet paper and putting it in the toilet bowl, then flushing it to see what happens. And if you've never experienced this fun activity your kids have tried, well, it won't flush, at least not very well. And the next part of this activity involves towels and a mop. And finally, since 1900, the feline population has appreciated the special activity toy you have in the bathroom as they unfurl an entire roll of toilet paper on the floor. That is going to do it for toilet paper. And what have we learned? Well, we learned that the Chinese were the first to bring paper into the bathroom. We learned in 1930, toilet paper was now splinter free. (laughs) And we learned that Seth Wheeler, he says, install your toilet paper hanging over, not under. Oh, and also I got through this entire 17 minutes and two seconds without saying the word wipe. All right, everyone, episode 45 is now over and you may go about your business and I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine it's at 20MYNGB20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com, and uh, you can. Uh, Leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.